This is the Reading Teacher's Lounge, where listeners can eavesdrop on professional conversations between elementary reading teachers. We're passionate about literacy and strive to find strategies to reach all learners. Shannon and Mary are neighbors who realized that they were literacy soul sisters at a dinner in their Atlanta neighborhood. Once they started chatting about reading, they haven't really stopped. Come join the conversation. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Reading Teacher's Lounge. This is Mary Sagafi. Uh, I'm alone today. Shannon is recuperating. She had a bit of um, a car accident and is on the mend. However, happily, she's doing okay. Um, she's just taking life a little bit easy these days. Um, I'm so happy to catch up with you. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2. Today, we're going to do a little bit of talking about an article that was Um, published in July this year from Education Week. Um, The title of the article is Influential Reading Group Makes It Clear Students Need Systematic Explicit Phonics, which Shannon and I are thrilled about because that's exactly what we've been preaching to you all. So today I'm going to be talking to you about um, the article that was published in Education Week, but it's very related to Um, a brief that was published in the International Literacy Association's um, page. The ILA, International Literacy Association, is a big umbrella group of a bunch of educators um, from around the world, and um, they have discussed so many reading topics and have been around since the 1950s. So if you have been paying attention to... um, a lot of the news media and coverage about reading instruction. Uh, Last year, around this time in October, Emily Hamford published um, a podcast from Educate, which was from APM Media, called Hard Words. And in Hard Words, she really breaks down what the reading wars have been. And the reading wars, um, as you may have heard from previous Uh, media or Shannon and I chatting, Um, what it really comes down to is teachers um, fell into two camps starting in around the 1970s. One, they believed that phonics instruction was important and it needed to be drilled down, and the other camp believed that whole word instruction was really important and that kids really needed literacy-rich environments um, and would kind of absorb a lot of that rich literature Um, and language, and would be able to read without the explicit drill um, and boring phonics instruction. May have sounded a little bit biased when I just said that last part, because um, for me, uh, as an Orton-Gillingham instructor, I really fall into the phonics is very important camp, Um, but I've come a long way of getting there. I just wasn't trained in college, and maybe like many teachers who are listening right now, or even parents who didn't actually experience a lot of phonics instruction, um, you're just unfamiliar with uh, what this reading wars is all about. So back to the 1970s, um, we find that these two camps exist, and... Fast forward a little bit more to 2000, the National Reading Panel was established, and they came out with a lot of scientific research about how um, children learn to read and what is important and what needs to be focused on. Um, Glossing over a lot of details, 
There has not been a lot of specific phonics instruction for teacher prep programs, and that is really important to understand because teachers are sort of at a disadvantage where they're ignorant, perhaps, about all of the necessary things that they're supposed to be teaching children um, that scientists have actually determined based on brain, read, brain science and things like that. That's a huge gloss over of the background of this. However, um, as you all know, Shannon and I feel really strongly about how we've both come to understand phonics instruction and how that helps struggling readers. This article um, is really important because this group, this big umbrella group of of teachers and professionals who have a lot of experience in the field of reading, um, have come together to make a really bold statement, and that statement is that students need systematic explicit phonics instruction. Um, I'm not sure that Shannon has read all of this yet, but she is going to be thrilled to know that it's Wiley Blevins, one of her very favorite people, um, wrote the forward for the brief, wrote the brief, excuse me, and he's the principal author on it. And so I'm going to go through a little bit of this today about what the brief actually teaches all teachers and what the new best practices for teaching um, are outlined by this uh, popular organization. So um, I'm going to go through a little bit of this today just to give you some light professional development and catch you up. I do encourage you to click on the link and read the entire brief. I also encourage you to read the entire Education Week article and that's also linked in the show notes. And let's, um, let's learn a little bit about what the standard of instruction is today. So um, this came out in July 2019, and um, we know that uh, we have the science to back up that we know how children learn to read. And we know that teaching students the basic letter combination gives them access to sounding out approximately 84% of the words in the English language. Um, but it's also really important, Blyley Webin says, excuse me, <laughs> Wiley Blevin says, um, to use equal amounts of time teaching the meaning of words and also learning the basic phonics skills that are essential to becoming a fluent reader. So we learned that the government-funded documents, which is the National Reading Panel, have shown that phonics instruction is helpful for all students, it's harmful for none, and crucial for some. And then we find out that recent brain research studies out of Stanford explained how beginning readers who focus on letter-sound relationships or phonics instead of trying to learn whole words increase the activity in the area of the brain best wired for reading. So the meta-analysis work has detailed the significant effect size of the phonics instruction on early students' early reading growth. So here's where the big question comes down. Why is there still the debate when the research evidence has been consistent for decades? Well, it's because teachers translate the research and instructional practices in a variety of ways. It may be how you um, use the curriculum that's provided to you. It may be how you research um, the lessons and skills that you feel like you need to teach your students. Um, the problem with that is that because people are doing it in a variety of ways, the results are that sometimes ineffective um, or unbalanced instructional materials have serious instructional design flaws. 
and some phonics instruction can be random or incomplete or implicit, and other instruction is overdone and isolated, devoid of the extensive application to authentic reading and writing needed for mastery. So therefore, neither is as effective as it needs to be. What we are clear on is that phonics instruction has to be explicit and systematic. Um, now the discussion needs to shift not to whether or not we want to do whole language, we want to do um, phonics-based. We need to have a discussion that includes phonics instruction as part of an overall literacy plan that's efficient, effective, and timely for all students. So now let's discuss what does that look like and then how do we overcome those obstacles that we all face as teachers in delivering that instruction. So before I move to what those characteristics are, um, Wiley Blevins talks a little bit about what is explicit and systematic. And he says that um, explicit means that the initial introduction of letter-sound relationships or phonics skills is stated directly to the students. For example, you tell the students that the sound is represented by the letter S. And this is more effective than the discovery method because it doesn't rely on the prerequisite skills that some students might not have. So being explicit also, though, does not mean that students cannot play with letters and sounds during the instructional cycle. In fact, the word awareness activities like word building and word sorts, they allow students to become flexible in their knowledge of sound spelling and solidifies that learning. Um, the secondary part is that being systematic means that you follow a continuum from easy to more complex skills and slowly introduce each new skill. Um, the systematic instruction also includes a review and repetition cycle to achieve mastery and goes from the known to the new in a way that makes the new learning more obvious and easier for students to grasp. Um, in Emily Hanford's um, podcast, uh, she, she talks to a teacher, uh, excuse me, to a parent, and the parent says, I don't understand we've spent this money on a tutor, and why is it that the tutor had to provide all of this systematic instruction? And the teacher's response was, well, I provided it. Your daughter was just absent that day. So that's, that's not allowed anymore. What we need to do is move forward, be systematic and repetitious, and make sure that we are constantly reviewing these skills, not in a way that downplays or, or is um, dull. We need to make sure that we are weaving it into all types of instruction. Um, let's see. So let's talk about some of the key characteristics of effective phonics instruction. So in addition to being explicit and and systematic, he says, strong phonics instruction has the following seven key characteristics. And the first one is readiness skills, scope and sequence is next, blending, dictation, word awareness, high frequency words, um, and connected text. Uh, and I'm going to go through some of these specifically and, and talk to you about what he says these are. So the readiness skills. Um, the two best predictors of early read reading skills are the alphabetic recognition and phonemic awareness. So these are those sound skills. And if you'll remember back, reading is not um, a skill that 
you automatically know how to do. You do have to be explicitly taught how to read. You do not need to be explicitly taught to understand language. Language is something that is hardwired into our brain, but reading is not. So um, if we go back to manipulating the sounds and understanding the alphabetic recognition, we know that phonemic awareness is the understanding that words are made up a series of a series of discrete sounds called phonemes. And there's a range of subskills taught um, with phonemic awareness. And if you haven't listened to our episode about what is a phoneme and a grapheme, that's a really quick um, episode to catch you up to speed. The other one is remember that phonological awareness is the umbrella term for being able to rhyme, segment, blend, and do all of those skills. Um, there, there's a number of skills that are under that umbrella. Phonemic awareness is the ability to then manipulate sounds within a word um, and isolate all of the specific sounds within a word. Um, and that is something that needs to develop for reading and writing, um, in, especially in kindergarten and grade one. Um, but remember that phonemic manipulation tasks can play a crucial role up to grade three. And if you're working with struggling we- readers who are not able to manipulate sounds, you really need to go back to the basics and focus on those phonological skills, uh, including rhyming including early listening skills, including being able to identify the initial sound in words. But that's just not it. You do need to also be able to manipulate sounds. Um, I was speaking with a parent yesterday, and I said, do you remember that old game Pig Latin that you used to play on the playground with your friends where you would say, Ig pay, atin lay, and you would change the first letter of the word um, and add it to the end of the word with an A at the end. If you're able to do that and understand and be fluent in Pig Latin, then you are successfully able to manipulate the sounds and words. If you are not able to do that, then um, you may perhaps be dyslexic. That is not a hard cut and dry rule, but what it really does indicate to me is that you have difficulty manipulating phonemes. So, Please don't write me letters about that. That's just a hard, quick, something I have in my toolbox of stories that I can tell to parents. Um, The other piece of readiness skills that I want to talk about is um, alphabetic recognition and learning the names, shapes, and sounds of letters in the alphabet with fluency, making sure that students don't think that LMNOP is one single letter and making sure that um, they could organize the entire alphabet out of a deck of cards, um, making sure that they can recognize and point out letters um, on a page. So if you say, can you find the letter J that's also in your name, um, and circle it, that, that might be important. So those are readiness skills. Let's talk about scope and sequence next. A strong scope and sequence builds from simple and complex in a way that takes advantage of previous learning. Um, There is no right scope and sequence, um, and programs strive to connect concepts, and they move through a series of skills in kind of a stair-step way to offer the best chance of student success. But don't forget that that scope and sequence does have to consistently be reviewed. 
Um, blending is the main strategy for teaching students how to sound out words, and it must be frequently modeled and applied by stringing together letter sounds to read a word. Um, the focus of early phonics instruction still plays a role when transitioning students from reading short, small words, monosyllabic words, to multisyllable words. Um, and that can begin as early as second grade, don't forget, or earlier, depending on the reading level of the child. Um, another really important piece that I think sometimes gets left out of instruction is dictation. And the best transfer students growing to best transfer students from growing phonics skills to writing dictation, which means guided spelling with a teacher using think alouds, it's critical to begin this skill in kindergarten. If you are working with a child and that child is spelling the word bark, let's say, and they spell that word B-O-K, that's a really good insight into where the child is able to um, identify the sounds and the graphemes that go with it. Remember, grapheme is um, the written part of the sound. So if that child understands that the beginning of the word bark is b, b, um, the end of the word is k, k, and they have spelled o in the middle for bark, the teacher may give hints to that child and say something like, hey, what do you hear in the middle of that sound? R, oh, like the pirate um, patch. Remember the pirate patch? How do we spell R? And the child would then connect either to a sound wall on the wall in the room um, or back to their background knowledge. And they would recall that the grapheme that they need is then AR and that AH represents O. Um, so, so that is a really important way of getting insight into how students are able to apply their phonics skills. Um, and as I said, that begins in kindergarten or earlier. Uh, let's see. So using a combination of word building, structured and unstructured writing experiences, um, the students have increased opportunities to try out their developing skills and express ideas in written form. Um, another key uh, piece to this is word awareness. So word building and word sets are the key activities to give students word awareness. Um, so in a word building activity, students are given a set of letter cards and they're asked to create a series of words in a specific sequence. So that increases the student's ability to work with letter sounds flexibly and fully analyze words for their component sounds and spelling. So in word sorts, then, students look for common spelling patterns and then they would engage in discussions about what they learned about words from this examination and increase their ability to notice larger chunks in words. So that part is important because when you move on to multisyllabic words or when you're coming across a word that's very large, you need to um, be able to identify what is the root and how does that impact the meaning of the word. Um, again, high frequency words are another piece that's really important. Some are irregular and they don't always follow the common English spelling sounds and others are regular and they're needed by students during by during reading before they have phonics skills to sound them out. So the top 250 to 300 words are generally taught in K2 and then past grade two, the majority of high frequency words have been introduced and students need to continually be assessed on their mastery of these words. 
Um, again, it doesn't have to be a boring task. It is something that you do have to continually work on because there are some more difficult words that are hard to master, like on and no tend to be frequent reversals, or was and saw, or the words of, for, from. Um, so more instructional time and assessment is needed to be given around these words. And finally, um, the last part of and the goal of phonics instruction is to develop the student's ability to read connected text independently. So this is where the reading wars really came in. A lot of teachers would argue previously that, and, and still sometimes today too, that decodable books are very boring and the cat sat on the mat is not going to engage a student. Um, and that may be true. However, it still means that we need to make sure that we are finding appropriate and interesting texts that are controlled and decodable, and they're related to what we're teaching students because it needs to still be a part of instruction. Um, because one, it helps students develop a sense of comfort and control over their reading growth, and it should be a really key learning tool in early phonics instruction. Um, when I would be working with older students, one of the phrases that I would say is, we're going to be working on comprehension, we're going to be working on more interesting topics, but at times, early read or easy reading makes reading easier, and that's what we're working on right now. Um, it's really important to be able to gauge where your students are as well, but um, with reading the connected text, the phonics-based tests need texts need to be reread to build fluency and they need to be discussed to develop comprehension and written about to provide opportunities for students to apply their growing phonics skills in writing. So you're not just going to leave them with very basic decodable text. You're also going to be reading lots of other rich print materials, but it does need to be appropriate for your students. Um, so the success of the key characteristics of phonics instruction instruction rests both on the shoulders of highly trained teachers with a background in phonics routines and linguistics, and also the instructional materials that aid teachers in meeting a wide range of students' phonics needs, which I think is key. Um, Wiley then goes on uh, to discuss what are the instructional pitfalls that teachers often face and why this isn't working um, and has not worked for many years right now. So there are 10 of the most common um, phonics instructional obstacles or pitfalls, uh, which all teachers have some degree or control over. So the first one that he mentions is inadequate or non-existent review and repetition cycle. So we underestimate the time it takes young learners to master phonics skills. So when a new skill is introduced, it should be systematically and purposely reviewed for at least the next four to six weeks. Next, um, we're going to talk about the lack of application to real reading and writing experiences. Um, students progress, progress at a much faster rate in phonics when the bulk of instructional time is spent on applying the skills to authentic reading and writing experiences rather than isolated skill and drill work. At least half of the phonics lesson should be devoted to the application exercises. And for students who are below level, the amount of reading during phonics instruction must actually be even greater. Um, next, uh, there are inappropriate reading materials that students use to practice skills. So the connection between what we teach and what we have young learners read as a powerful 
has a powerful effect on their word reading strategies and their phonics and spelling skills, so it also affects students' motivation to read. Having accountable texts as part of the daily phonics lessons provides more substantial decoding practice and helps to scaffold um, the leap from most phonics lessons to the reading level of leveled texts, which are far more controlled for phonics skills. The amount of control, or decodability, and the amount of time needed in this type of text varies on the basis of each student's needs. An adherence to specific percentage of decodability is sometimes problematic. Next, I think, is one of the most challenging things for younger teachers to um, grasp and understand, and that is the ineffective use of the gradual release model. So some teachers of struggling readers spend too much instructional time doing the heavy lifting, such as over-modeling and having students simply repeat or parrot activities. It's really important to remember that whoever does the thinking in the lesson does the learning. So students might struggle, but they must do the work, and the teacher's role is to provide timely and corrective feedback and support. And it's really tricky to find that balance of how much hand-holding do you do and how much do you put back on the student. But remember, the more you put back on the student and make them responsible for through predictable routines, through encouragement, that's really that's what, what differentiates good teachers from teachers who are still working to get better. Um, the next part, I think, is such a pitfall in all classrooms, in all lessons, and that is too much time is lost during transitions. Um, so the reality is, is that phonics lessons often require a lot of manipulatives and materials. So the transition time when materials are distributed or collected need to also be viewed as valuable instructional moments. Um, where review skills can be addressed. And this is tricky because that means that your classroom management has to be really strong. So while you're distributing, um, he recommends singing the ABC song or doing a phonemic awareness task or reviewing letter sound action rhymes um, to focus students' attention on an instructional goal. So remember that every minute a phonics lesson must be instructive. And planning for these transitions is crucial um, to get the most effectiveness out of all of them. And another pitfall could be the limited teacher knowledge of research-based phonics routines and linguistics. So teachers with a background in phonics and linguistics are obviously better equipped to make meaningful instructional decisions and analyze student errors. Um, but also a teacher's attitude towards phonics instructional materials is also essential um, when it's positive uh, for making sure that the routines are strong and making sure that they are really taking advantage of all of this instructional time. Next, um, sometimes there is an inappropriate pacing of lessons, and some teachers spend too much time on activities that they enjoy or are easier for students and then less time on the more challenging or substantive activities that increase learning. And lessons need to be fast-paced and rigorous, and they do need to focus on activities that move more quickly activities that more quickly move the needle in terms of student learning, such as blending practice, dictation, word awareness activities, and reading and writing about accountable texts. Um, next, there is no comprehensive or cumulative mastery assessment tools. So that's true, we get questions about this often. Um, assessment of phonics skills must be done over an extended period of time to ensure mastery. So weekly assessments focusing on one skill may give false positives. And in that piece, I really believe he's talking about spelling tests 
And if you are doing a spelling test, it may be that your students are just memorizing the word. There are too many patterns within your spelling list, and it's just not um, an effective use of students' time because it could give this false positive. It goes in the students one year and out the next. So cumulative, um, if the skill is not worked on for sub subsequent weeks, Learning can decay, and cumulative assessments do help teachers determine which skills truly have been mastered, um, and they are critical phonics instructional tools. I'll post some of the, um, the assessment tools that I use with my tutoring students. Uh, then next, we're going to talk a little bit about transitioning to multisyllabic words too late. So a lot of curriculum focus on monosyllabic words in grade two, but the stories that students read in that grade are filled with more challenging multisyllabic words. So more emphasis needs to be given on transitioning to longer words um, at the grade level, words like can and candle, and teaching the six major syllable types. Also, if you need a review of the six syllable types, please go back and listen to our vowel series. Um, but this work can start uh, at the end of grade one to provide closer alignment between phonics instruction and the reading demands. Um, that is tricky because in these younger grades you do have children with a variety of skills. Nonetheless, these skills are really important. Um, and finally, uh, overdoing it, especially on isolated skill work. So some curricula overemphasize phonics, especially in the isolated skill and drill type work, while ignoring other key aspects of early learning um, early reading needs like vocabulary and background knowledge building that are essential to long-term reading progress. So modifying reading time to better balance is important because all of these skills plant the seed of comprehension as students encounter increasingly more complex texts. So phonics instruction is an essential part of early reading and writing instruction, and students need to learn how to efficiently decode words to increase their word recognition skills. The more words students recognize automatically, the better their reading fluency. And that has a powerful effect on their comprehension skills as they read through texts. And that's the point. So phonics instruction is designed to increase students' ability to read and makes meaning from the text. However, it needs to be done in a way that is mostly effective and mostly efficient. And it's paramount that teachers and creators of curriculum materials take an objective and thorough look at how we improve the instruction to maximize student learning. So that is my verbal summary of this article. I hope it helps you um, understand the brief and why it's so important. Uh, there's a lot of people who have big feelings about this brief because it seems like there's a shift in stance, but I don't think that there's really a shift in stance. I think that what we're doing is really identifying what does the research say and what is the science behind it and how, if we know better, how can we teach better? So um, I would love to hear some questions and some feedback. And um, I would love to chat a little bit more about this. And um, I'm looking forward to having the rest of this season with our listeners. Make sure you come and join the conversation.